Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we do an all IndyCar show. I've got a panel loaded up with uh, IndyCar knowledgeable people here tonight. I've got with me Richard Uden, I've got Louise Torres, Joey Barnes, and Christopher DeHarty. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Good, thank you. Very good. What? I'm glad. All right. Great to have you all here. Now, the IndyCar fans endure the longest offseason because our season ends first. uh, And then we almost got a season underway, but that was right when all the shutdowns happened when we had cars on the ground at St. Pete. Uh, Even got a a bit of a practice session in before everything was shut down. So now we're going to go back racing. Uh, finally, a few months later, you know, we should have already had an Indy 500 in by now and, and crowned a new Indy 500 winner, but we haven't. But we're going to start the season at Texas to an empty grandstands. Um, IndyCar has closely watched uh, what NASCAR has been doing with their empty grandstand races, uh, learn all they can to try to keep everything for the, you know, very safe for the participants and officials that are there. That being said, we're, um, we're going into – a high-speed oval race uh, for a bunch of guys that are pretty rusty. Uh, it's been um, since the uh, that practice session at St. Pete since uh, anybody's been on the track. So, um, and it's also going to be the first race with the screen, and it's going to be a night race. So there's a, a lot in there, and we're using year-old Firestone tires because of the shutdowns. Firestone hasn't come up with anything new, so we're going to have a 35-lap um, maximum. Uh, on tires so uh let's start with you joey what do you what do we expect to see in texas i mean expect the unknown right uh so a few things that i've kind of learned and gathered up uh leading into this race you talk about the tires we'll start there uh number one is the reason for the mandate for the 35 lap limit is firestone is actually bringing the tire compound for the left sides were run at the indy 500 last year and the compound for the right sides were actually an alternate tire that was built by Firestone for Texas 
It wasn't used in the race last year, but it was used at a test to help simulate the effects of the aero screen. So they have run this tire compound on the right side for test that whenever they were here in August uh, for, as part of a private test. And I think because of that variable, because of the unknowns uh, of that, obviously the tire limit, uh, it's going to be a little crazy, I think. Uh, Texas is always one of the wildest races. Uh, I Honestly, it's hard to remember the last time Texas had a snooze fest. Um, so it's that on top of the lack of track time. Uh, I was actually talking to somebody earlier today who was kind of concerned that this might become a pack race. And those are the words that nobody likes to hear when it comes to IndyCar racing. But uh, I think it's not going to quite be that just because a lot of the drivers seem to think that after five, 10 laps, you still get enough tire wear and, and, and separation in it from a handling characteristic that you're going to have the field stretch some. The other end of it that I think is being forgotten is because there's so little track time uh, during the day, you're going to have guys that unload and they're going to be way off the mark. And you just don't have enough time to try to get back into the to the zone that you need to to maybe even have something that's halfway reasonable to fight for a for a contention top ten that night. So uh, I think some guys are going to be really in it uh, once they unload. They're going to have something that they could potentially win with, and they know it. And I think other guys are going to be far off the mark. So uh, I think we're going to have a good race, um, but there's so many different elements that really you just expect kind of the unknown. Yeah. Now, Richard, you've worked on a lot of race cars, and now this is – we've got very little data of, of cars with the aerospace. You know, it changes the center of gravity. Uh, it changes the overall weight of the car, uh, and, and we haven't had a ton of testing. Everyone's been laid off. So, I mean, what do, what do you believe, like, the engineers are scrambling for right now? What do you, what do you think, like, their best, you know, kind of uh, path is? I – I think the aero screen is going to be pretty. Um, that's a pretty set variable. Uh, I think there's been enough wind tunnel data and enough testing done from that, and enough CFD work done on that that you know they're going to be within a few percentage points of um, performance on that. I think the big issue is, as Joe mentioned, Joe mentioned, is going to be the tyres. They're going to have no clue on. I mean, I said no clue. That's the wrong word. But you know, tyres are called black magic for a reason you know um that they're hard enough as it is to determine and predict um never mind a set of compounds that have never really been run before on, on this track so personally i think that the aero screen eh, we'll get away with it you know it won't be a huge issue uh, especially not on an oval i don't think um you know with everybody running it i i, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue um, tires are going to be far bigger an issue from a, from an engineering standpoint, from a setup standpoint. That's going to be a real, real challenge for those guys. Certainly. Now, Joey, you wanted to add something else on the tires? Yeah, something else that kind of uh, Tony Canon alluded to uh, yesterday was that that they're kind of being told that they need to scrub the the shine off the tires, and I think there's going to be something like twenty. 24 sets or something like that for the entire weekend. I, I don't know the exact number, so don't don't kill me for that one. But uh, the the fact that they've got to scrub all the tires, which isn't isn't unusual, but when you've got a 90 minute practice session to get ready and you've got to scrub most of those sets, I mean you're looking at probably a minute for setup, takeoff, install, lap, get maybe run a lap or two in some cases, come in and uh, and then put another set on. 
like that that could be potentially half an hour of the 90 minute practice just doing install laps to scrub off tires and i guess to kind of throw it to richard on this because i was kind of curious is why why is it so important that they're scrubbing the shine off these tires um from this from this standpoint with this variable situation coming into play typically um you'd want to do this to to especially if they're old tires which by sounds of things they are um they'll have been sat around for a long time they'll have you know some will have been maybe at different temperatures so you, you, your crust of your rubber first of all you've got a release agent on there from the mold that they're made in when they're manufactured uh, so you want to get rid of that that's that's typically what gives the um, tire the, the sort of shiny appearance is this like releasing agent that they put on them. And then, um, you know, these tires could have been sat around so that the top, you know, everybody knows, you know, you, you find an old car that, you know, hasn't driven for, for, for a number of years and the, 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 the tires will just be cracked a little bit and the, the rubber will have gone hard. And it could very well be, that the, I mean, it's only been a year, you know, but the very surface of the tire may have started to have um, degrade a little bit. So they maybe just want to take that top crust, if you like, excuse me, off the tire surface, just to just to give them a nice, fresh, clean um, surface to work with. And also that will start putting rubber down on the track as well, and the same rubber as well. Because one of the biggest issues is, you know, you, you put rubber down on the track, which is fine, but if it's not the same rubber that you're running on, then it makes it even worse, you know, because the, the two rubbers don't interact. Um, so, yeah, they just want to take that, that uh, as I say, probably release agent. And also, um, if the surface of the tire has started to degrade a little bit over time, that'll be my two uh, guesses as to why you want to do that. And to rubber the track in a little bit as well, because that initial um, surface layer is the bit that'll put the most rubber down as it wears off typically. Certainly. Now, Louise or Christopher, uh, either what do you guys want to chime in on what to expect at Texas? I mean, we've been hearing the words wreck fest and pack race um, here and there, but uh, realistically, what do you guys feel we'll see? I'll let Chris go first before I share my thoughts. All right, Christopher, the ball's in your court. So what I would say is that um, Paul Page had a great line that he used many years ago when he was broadcasting the Michigan 500. The unexpected is commonplace. So when you have, you know, the arrow screen coming up here and everybody's finally getting back on their feet after spending the last three months, you know, dormant, for lack of a better term, three months longer than what you would have expected, it's going to lead to, you know, some a lot of uncertainty here. Um, we're dealing with you know, we already talked about the tire situation, ad nauseum, you know, the error screen. But when you have, like, all these different variables coming together, not not to mention, you know, you're not going to have the, the the track time from Indianapolis, from Long Beach, from Coda, from Barber, from St. Pete, you know, to work off of. You're not, your notebook isn't that full. Um, so a lot of people, teams are going to be going into this, you know, blind, for lack of a better term. Um Am I expecting, you know, a wreck fest like how 2017 was? No. I think that a lot of people are going to be taking it cautious because they know, you know, what the situation is. But then again, we're dealing with this, a deal where we have no races for an entire month here. So as we get to the end of the race, we could see some people taking more risks because we got a whole month to fix these cars. 
But then again, your first race with the arrow screen is on a super speedway or a larger speedway, so who knows what will happen here. I'm yeah. expecting some randomness here. And certainly the they shortened the race length from, what, 248 laps down to 200. So so there's going to be some urgency to get to the front uh, sooner rather than later uh, in a shortened race, uh, which could cause for some pretty exciting stuff to watch. Now, Louise, your thoughts, and then, we, then we're going to go back to Richard. The biggest thing to keep in mind is that it's you have a one-day show. For the rookies, like an Oliver Askew and Arenas VK, who, by the way, off the ladder, just arrived in the States, good and sound, so we'll see him for sure because that was a big question mark. Before I go on to traveling, it's a one-day show. You'll have practice time compared to NASCAR. It's just, with the exception of the 600 would qualify, they just straight up and race. Fortunately for the IndyCar side, which Charlie Kimball said yesterday, that it is very important and critical for all the teams, no matter how big or small or single or multi-car teams, to make most of that time. Will they, and it's going to be it's definitely an eye-opener to see how they fare. And I imagine other sanctions will look closely into it and see how that works. Because at the end of the day, the more track time they could get, and they will, despite only just having very limited amount of time compared to other weekends, they have multiple sessions or a couple of days to get it dialed in. And on that note, there's Larry Foyd mentioned that, and I mentioned a couple of them may have to go through that they have to take commercial, and some of them will have to fly literally the morning of or the night before. So they're going to have such an undertaking task. It's going to take a toll already going from a long layoff period to now boom, 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 get it all as best as possible on one single day. And hopefully they get out of Texas with some good points and a good start to the season. Do I expect a wreck fest like Chris alluded to? No. Will we see some errors and mistakes and rust? For sure. But how much of it is ultimately how they manage to capitalize on that 80-minute session, 30-plus for the rookies. All right. Now, Richard, you have another point you want to bring up before we move move on? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously everybody's highlighting the drivers being rusty and, you know, not having really driven a car, you know, since uh, obviously those practice sessions at St. Pete, but then also never actually having, you know, driven an oval for, for probably, well, over six months, nine months probably at least, if not longer. But it's also the teams as well. You know, a lot of these teams have, you know, relatively high turnovers of staff and to, to be thrown in, you know, to a very quick, um, you know, quick turn, you know, a, a quick event like this, quick turnaround, quick, you know, you not have, don't have much practice and you've got to come, um, you know, out, out the blocks pretty fast. And as, as we mentioned earlier, you know, you could have teams that unload way off the mark, you know, and they've got to take a swing at it. Um, and I think probably what you'll see is this will be a, um, an even bigger uh, separator of teams. You know, people always think that these adverse circumstances are a leveler in motorsport, um, but but typically it actually diverges from you know the the, the, the bigger teams and the smaller teams because the guys like the Penskys, Andretti's, Ganassi's of this world have been able to go out and do you know do you know simulation work do. Um, you know, they've got a far bigger pool of talent to, to, to sort of brainstorm, if you like, from a engineering standpoint. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if you don't see a far bigger spread in the field than you would if this was a normal, you know, in-season race. Um, so that could be interesting to see. As I say, I expect to see, 
you know, it almost wouldn't surprise you if you didn't see like a Pensy clean sweep or a Ganassi clean sweep or an Andretti clean sweep. You know, one of these big teams just hit on it and get it right and, and, and roll with it. Um, this, this really does put a pressure on the team managers and on the, you know, lead engineers and people like that to, to go out there and perform and execute really, really well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and certainly if we do have a big divide, we're, we're gonna, there's going to be a lot of laugh traffic to get through as well if, if we've got uh, oh, yes. that much of a divide. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that could cause for some excitement. So let's let's all try. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a word. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. i to pick a winner for the race uh, before we start uh, getting into our team-by-team preview. I- I'm going to go with a uh, certain Mr. Willpower, uh, who's been dynamite on ovals, and he's been dynamite pretty much anywhere. And I, I think he's one of the most solid guys in the series, along with Dixon. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Willpower for the win at Texas. Um, Joey, who do you like? Uh, get put on the spot here with these. I hate this because I know you the driver listens to this. I'll get called out for. Uh, I'm gonna say Colton Herta. Uh, he was battling for the win last year. Uh, had a ridiculous fast car. Uh, really good at adapting. He's one of the better drivers at adapting. And with this kind of varied situation, uh, and being a legitimate Andretti Autosport driver, Andretti Steinbrenner at Harding, uh, whatever it is, driver. Uh, under the same stable, I think it'll help. But uh, second time at Texas, you know, I know there's a sophomore jinx, but I don't think that could exist right now. Yeah, interesting point. Yeah, I don't think that can exist right now. Uh, Christopher. New Garden. New Garden. Louise? I think Rossi will get this one. All right, that would be a very popular win, Rossi, to get this win. So, so let's go team by team. And oh, just kind oh, of pre- oh, oh, Richard, I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Well, no, who, who do you like, Richard? Sure. Because Kevin Harvick's not be. entered, so. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, I'm sorry. Go, go right ahead, sir. Um, it's gonna be. I think. I think it's gonna be somebody experienced, uh, with an experienced team. So. Ryan Hunter Ray, maybe something like that. Okay, Ryan Hunter Ray, yeah, good, good choice. Uh, nobody picked Dixon, and, and Dixon's won a couple times in Texas, so uh, that that's another guy to watch certainly. Now, team by team preview. Let's start off with the teams with the biggest question marks, um, which would be Carlin, Yukos, and Dragon Speed. Now, Dragon Speed to me is they're like Bigfoot. Or, or UFOs. You know, some people swear they've seen them. Or other people think they're real. Um, but there's a lot of folks that are skeptical. 
Well, not only Dragon Speed the team, I mean Dragon Speed the IndyCar effort. Uh, last year they had, uh, what, five races planned. Uh, they made it to two. We didn't see them after the Indianapolis 500. There were visa problems was a story. Uh, they were supposed to be, I believe they were on the ground at St. Pete. Uh, the, that uh, The race didn't come off. Um, I believe Texas was one of their races that they had planned. Now, they're, they're, I believe they had a seven-race season planned right now. The only thing solid on their books is the Indianapolis 500, which is kind of disappointing because uh, I felt like uh, young, had, young uh, Ben Hanley had some potential. So who wants to jump in and talk about Dragon Speed? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, first off, like, and, and Chris knows this firsthand, is that I, I called him having a pretty nice uh, month of May last year, uh, making the show pretty solidly. So that was, I'm still going to keep that feather in my cap for that one. But uh, I like that team, and I it's kind of like a lot of things. Like, I like Junkos too, but it's just the economics of the situation are, are hindering everybody right now. And it's going to, gosh, if it wasn't hurting you before COVID-19, it certainly will be now. And, um, you know, I think Elton Julian, it wasn't just visa issues. I think there was a lot of different things happening with their sports car program and there was sponsorship things and a lot of different elements to that, that, that led to this development with the IndyCar front. Um, that said, if there's ever a scenario where they could just be solely focused on IndyCar, I think that they could perform pretty well. Um, as far as where they fit in beyond Indy, will we see them at St. Pete later this year? I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, Ben Hanley is, is, uh, from the sounds of the way that things have been from talking with him a few times this, these past, I guess this past year, is things are more aligned with what the team's vision is, not necessarily sponsorship-driven like most drivers have obligations to have certain things happen based on, you know, like, hey, I'm running this sponsorship and a sponsor like like James Hinchcliffe having Genesis. Obviously, he's racing at Texas because that's the title sponsor of the race. Um, his sponsor, his situation's maybe a little bit different than, than say, other drivers in the field. Uh, so... I'd like to see it open up um, at the moment, though, as far as I know, it's probably just going to be Indy and it's a wait and see for anything else. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned Yukos. Yukos seems to have uh, really nothing solid planned for this year. And, and with the recent announcement that the uh, uh, the Indy Lights uh, has suspended the entire season um, and, you know, Yukos has a pretty decent lights program. Uh, so that's putting those guys furloughed so um christopher um you you're pretty friendly with some folks over there yukos uh uh will we see a yukos car on the grid outside of uh, indianapolis outside of indy i highly doubt it unless you know there's a there's sponsorship behind it last year we had yukos run at circuit of the americas in austin for kyle kaiser that's because there was that i think if i remember right there was um uh, a texas-based company that put the money up for it um this year, I highly doubt it, like I said, unless we see some money come up for it. If we were to see that, I would expect it to be at, like, Laguna Seca um, because that is Kaiser's home race, and Kyle Kaiser definitely still has a good relationship with that team. But um, I wouldn't expect to see them anywhere outside of the 500. Certainly. Now, I just thought of an interesting thing here, right? We've got we've got auto racing uh, is coming back a little at a time. You know, NASCAR has, has – 
been racing several times a week. IndyCar is getting ready to go. They're going to have uh, they'll they'll be a month layoff after Texas, but they're going to be probably one of the first sports to actually have fans in attendance at, at a major event when we get to um, Road America. Uh, with 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 sponsors looking to to get their their names out there and no other sports, uh, do you think it's it's possible that uh, we'll see some some interest in uh in racing from sponsors? Yeah, I mean I I think so. Um, and, and this kind of trickles on a little bit of what Chris talked about on the Uncos front. Um, I know that he was in Austin February during the test to kind of try to secure some things for the month of May. And you could make the argument that this situation in some ways has been more beneficial than it is hurting them just because they have a little bit more time before Indy uh, now that it's the month of August or really the week and a half of August to get a sponsorship for that race, to get things um, kind of squared away. It could be a blessing um, in that regard. And on the Indy Lights front with with Yunkos, uh, I can tell you by talking with a few people that – that the situation, the way things were playing out, it, it was not going to be the best situation for all involved. Uh, it makes sense why they suspended it and uh, or canceled it, and there's things in play there that a lot of people can't really talk about. Um, but there's uh, it wouldn't have been a good look uh, overall. Uh, there's a lot of talk that that even though the grid size was already eight cars, that it could have been down even more because certain drivers had their sponsors affected by COVID-19 and thus it would have hindered some chances to kind of fulfill that our obligations to put them on the grid. So um, all those different variables in play, um, Yunkos is one of those teams fighting for sponsorship. There's not a lot out there uh, as far as stuff getting back together. I think right now, the opportunity that that everybody has to be prime time on NBC on Saturday night for Texas, which you could argue the last couple of years has been a race of the year candidate. You couldn't ask for a better opportunity to put the sport front and center Um, for the executives at NBC, Sam flood and them kind of coming together to make sure that something like this could happen. Uh, Penske kind of obviously making his mark right out of the gate because let's not forget this is technically his first race. Um, there's, there's a lot of opportunity here for teams to be front and center and, and maybe compile sponsorship for the future. And maybe some side sponsor likes what they see and backs the program. I and mean, let's not forget, we, we got Robbie Buell and them kind of getting involved in the 500 in August too. Yeah, certainly. Now, Louise, let's back up a little bit. You wanted to mention something else on dragon speed and then, uh, then, then let's talk about Carlin team. Yeah. I just wanted to make a quick dip fit comment as far as dragon speed. It'll be, I think based what they showed at Indy, they did surprise me in that aspect because I remember there were many people that were writing them off as being one of the three cars that were going to go home, but they showed up. They were not they were not much of a threat of being in that bubble. They qualified with ease, so I was pretty impressed with what they'd done. On a so if they were to run outside of Indianapolis, I still like to see more from them. It's kind of like they got to hopefully they can build on it, but to know more on their side of things to kind of get to understand where they rack up. And as far as Carlin is concerned, it's been quite, quite fascinating in a, in a way where they were, they want to have two cars. It's kind of like where he, but they had to sacrifice, they had to give up the 31 car because of all, everything that has happened with the pandemic. 
and the traveling logistics, so they're only focusing on the 59 of Connor because, of course, I think if I remember, only the 59 has the sponsorship. The 31 is still yet to have one with or without Nasser, who was supposed to run St. Pete, and who knows about his IndyCar future at this moment in time. Yeah, the um, the sponsorship is on the Gallagher car that's being shared by uh, Max and Connor. So and that, of course, Gallagher is, you know, that's uh, Sheldon's pops, and he's he's part owner of the team too. So so that money's pretty safe. But it, it is disappointing if they had to drop a car, you know, right as the season's uh, beginning, you know, getting to begin. And I was looking forward to seeing Nasser in an Indy car. Yeah, SMI, considering I like a couple of the guys that were in Formula One that just didn't weren't up in the upper echelon or in the middle tier. Look at Erickson, he. He held his own, and now he'll be a big question mark from a driver's perspective. How is he going to do with Ganassi? Will we see flashes of brilliance, or maybe not? That's just that's one of the many things that I have a question mark throughout. I'll keep in mind throughout the season how he'll do with a much well-equipped car compared to, to of course, with Schmidt Peterson to before they became McLaren, of course. Certainly. Now, Christopher, do you want to chime in on any of the teams we just discussed before we move forward to to the next set of teams? One thing I'll say about Carlin is that um, I'm glad that they do at least have the 59 confirmed for Texas. I'm glad they have Connor Daly with them because he drove for them last year at Texas. Um, I just hope that they're able to take another step forward this year. I know last year was a bit of a challenge for them, but um, given Trevor's experience in lower – not well, in – well, let me just rephrase it, not as developed Opomo series, because let's face it, Formula 1, it's like all crazy with development, but there's like a spec chassis in like the different Opomo series he runs in Europe. Given Trevor's experience there, I'm expecting, you know, better things from the team, but I think that this year is going to be a turning point for Carl, and it's going to be a critical make-or-break year, in my opinion. Yeah, I believe it's a make-or-break year as well. So let's, let's move up a little bit, and let's talk about A.J. Foyt Racing, who had... They're coming off a couple of miserable years, and they're <laughs> they've uh, you know switching drivers again. We've got Tony Kanaan on a limited oval schedule. We've got uh, Charlie Kimball now in the fold. They're bringing some much needed sponsorship money to the team. We've got uh, Sebastian Bourdais, who should have run a couple races by now. Uh, his program is somewhat up in the air, although I believe he's uh, still confirmed for a couple races later in the season. And then Dalton Kellett, who was set to make his debut in IndyCar. So, um, now, Louise, I know you just spent a little time talking to Larry Foyt or around a conference call with Larry Foyt. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead off and, and uh, you tell me what you think uh, the chance for A.J. Foyt Racing to really kind of um, step up their game this year. Yeah, what makes them unique and fascinating in a way for them is that they are, they have their two race shops. They will have one in Texas and they have one in Indianapolis. Now the challenge that they'll have is already begun, which of course, like I bet I alluded to earlier, they had they have to bring the team from Indianapolis to Texas on a commercial because they don't have a seating capacity for the charter and they have to arrive the night. They'll have to arrive the night before and they just, it's going to be a, tr- a vital year for them. Fortunately, uh, on the four team, they have Charlie and backing with backing sponsors with, with Novo. I, I was just going to refer as Novo because I do not want to butcher the full name. If that's just how I roll with things, but uh, it's Trisiba. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Novo Nordisk is, is the yeah, Nordisk, and Trisiba, Trisiba is the product. Yeah. Yeah. 
I th- with that, it helps because they've lost a great significant amount from ABC Supply, their long-term spot, their longtime sponsor. They Larry did mention that ABC Supply will be a part of the Indianapolis 500, so they'll have that. But with the minimal sponsorships, because remember Kanan before COVID-19 happened, it looked like he was just not going to have gonna have a hard time. That 14 team was going to have a hard time finding some sort of sponsorship. Fortunately for 7-Eleven, they're going to be behind Kanan's car, which will bring good nostalgia. But do I think they're going to get they're going to improve? We can hope by having these mixture of drivers. But with the season being much shorter months wise. It's going to make it very, very difficult for, to see true progress to where if they – I don't know where I see them. I have some ex, pretty high expectations of what they got because if they don't capitalize on the short amount of time and produce results that are way better than they've done the past couple of years, then we got to start questioning long-term how they're going to survive because the sponsorships is – kind of a make it or break it for them at this point. Right, right. Now, uh, Joey, you're pretty friendly with Charlie Kimball, um, as am I. I've talked to Charlie uh, quite often. Um, how, how do you feel, what do you feel he's going to bring to the team here? Now, Charlie has a bit of a bad rep lately, uh, but I believe at the, you know, I, I believe at least at the heart of it all, he's a, he's a pretty skilled and experienced driver. Um, what, what do you feel like he brings to the team? Uh, number one, experience. And I think that also, this is one little uh, nugget that I think people forget is that him and Kanan were teammates at, at Chip Ganassi Racing not that long ago. So the the opportunity to work together uh, with with somebody that you've already worked together with as a teammate, uh, that certainly helps because you can help guide uh, an engineering group that might need guidance, quite honestly. Um, but I think more than it, more than just, you know, obviously funding. And things like that. It's an opportunity for for some consistency to be established. I mean, they established a little bit of it with Tony. Obviously, we know that he wanted to run a full year. Uh, he didn't necessarily want this to be a last lap tour, uh, so to speak. But the the economics of the sport, kind of going back to that, kind of played their hand, and that's part of the reason he's been limited. And I mean, Charlie's 35. He's been in the series now. I think this is uh, 2011's when he started, if I remember right. So. Um, somewhere around there. So I think he brings experience to the table. He's driven with good teams. He helped, he helped build up Carlin. And I think that's something that I know we look at Carlin and it's like, Oh yeah, but ha ha. Like what, what are they doing lately? When he, he, when he was with Carlin that first year, you know, he got them a top 10 in like their third, third race. He gave them their first top five. He did a lot of things that were just monumental that first year uh, that they didn't have any mechanical failure. So if he can reach into that, um, and there can be some consistency and continuity. I think they could be a team that could challenge for top tens on a regular basis, to be honest with you. Certainly. Now, Christopher or Richard, any, any comments on the Foyt team before we move on? Uh, I hope they have a successful season. And, uh, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, they, they can get some good results because, you know, the motorsport needs as many people and many teams, competitive teams as possible. And, uh, It'd be a shame to, you know, we don't want anybody to go by the wayside under these conditions. Chris, for anything to add? Many things going against them over the last few years, whether it's, I think they had someone had like a, said they had like a wind tunnel calibration that was off a couple of years ago. And just, there's been so many things working against them. I hope that. That old excuse. Yeah, it's a good one. Man. Well, all I'm saying is that I hope that something has changed to where they're, 
be able to get they'll be able to get further up the group because that team has been a a bit of a killer for careers because you look at what happened with Laced. I mean, Jack Hawksworth isn't in IndyCar anymore. Um, yeah, I I hope that something happens there that changes them to move up to grid because I mean they can't get much they can't go further down where they are right now. But I mean, hey, you can only go up from here. Yeah, certainly. So speaking of going up, let's let's talk about like the the mid. The, the mid-tier teams. Uh, specifically, let's talk about uh, Ed Carpenter Racing, Dale Coyne Racing, and Arrow McLaren, or Schmidt-Peterson, as it used to be known. So uh, who wants to jump in, grab one of them, those teams, and add some stuff? I mean, I think that uh, I'm kind of excited for, for the entire middle tier, to be honest with you. The, the, the middle tiers, you've categorized them, I guess. Um, I think Ed Carpenter Racing, um, Renus VK, when you talk about just raw talent, uh, the kid's got it. Like, he's got incredible raw speed. Uh, he is not going to sugarcoat it, though. He can sometimes be a little reckless. He can sometimes um, definitely be emotional in the car. He's not necessarily the Scott Dixon methodical driver. He's definitely an emotional driver. Um, that said, it, it plays to his strengths more often than not. Um and, and kind of in a weird, similar way that people see Max Verstappen, right? Um, so I think that Ed Carpenter, a full year with somebody like that, to build a program around somebody like that, um, could definitely be good things. I think he could definitely surprise. Um, and then obviously, um, not to try to steal anybody else's thunder, I'm touching on this, but uh, Arrow, Arrow McLaren SP with, with Pato and uh, Oliver, uh, good friends with both those guys. I think that um, it's very interesting that unlike a lot of teams, they're keeping the, the foundation of their engineering group intact and they're rotating the driver lineup. And I love that idea because you're going to establish a veteran presence uh, right away by having engineers that can kind of give you some <clears> guidance. <throat> um, and I think, honestly, Oliver, both both drivers are ultra talented. I mean, we've seen what Pato did at, at in his debut, and we saw what he did at Coda last year, running wheel-to-wheel with guys when not a lot of people could run wheel-to-wheel. Um, and then Oliver is uh, not too many people have done what he did in the road to Indy. And right now, like, people can, can say what they want about the limited uh, grid counts and things like that, but based on how Pato's shown things, based on how Colton ran a year ago, uh, and based on how, like, it's delivered talents like Joseph Newgarden, who's now a two-time champion, I think Oliver Askew's cut from that same cloth and uh, is going to show it this year. All right. Now, uh, Christopher, do you want to jump in and talk about Dale Coyne a little bit? Um, Dale Coyne is, had some, some major changes in the offseason in the engineering department. But, uh, we've got a couple of uh, yeah, a couple of big names have left, left the team, but the guys that are taking the places have worked under those, uh, you know, worked under Cannon and, and – uh, so uh, what, what, uh, what, what's, uh, what's the mood over there at Dale Coyne Racing? So with Dale Coyne, they've lost a lot. Um, I mean, they lost Craig Hampson to Aaron McLaren SP. Uh, or uh, let's see, Craig's going to be the lead engineer for Alonzo's car at the 500 this year. Um, Michael Cannon went to become Scott Dixon's race engineer, um, which is why I'll go ahead and say it right now. Dixon's my pick to win the championship because of that. Um, you look at you know, Ferrucci's now, uh, they lost Bourdais uh, to a full ride at JTC. Uh, Bourdais is going to be, I think he's still running the 
one of the race, a couple of races for the Foyt team, but Ferrucci got his seat, and then Alex Palou, I think it is. Alex Palou. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be a pronunciation guide. One of the, I have a bunch of old cart media guides, and then they have a, a pronunciation guide for many of the foreign drivers that ran in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah, so, I remember, yeah. though. I've got a couple of those sitting around, yeah. Yeah, so they need to get something on that. But I expect actually a lot from Alex because he did very well in Super Formula in Japan. A lot of people have very high regard for him. And talking with some of the people that I know that watch Super Formula quite a bit, they expect big things out of Alex. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do um, at Texas. Uh, I just hope that the engineers for Dale Coyne that worked underneath Craig and Mike are, uh, are up to the task of delivering for these guys. Certainly. Now, uh, Louise, uh, folks uh, are split on the um, Aaron McLaren team. There are a lot of people that would love to see them fail, uh, just because what they uh, what they quotations did to Hinchcliffe. Um, you know, people felt like Hinchcliffe was done dirty. But at the end of the day, I believe like the guys that they've put in here are really exciting talents. So, Louise, what are your thoughts about uh, McLaren uh, joining up with the Schmidt team? It's it's an intriguing partnership, that's for sure. And yes, I, I people feel that way. And also, let's not forget how some people were kind of actually embarrassed of how McLaren had their, executed their Indy 500 program last year. But now that they have that, they know what they've done wrong. I hope they don't have that similar mistake or just put more dedication into the pieces. I think doing working with Schmidt, Peterson, McLaren, of course, could bring some value so they know they could start off and right in the middle instead of just doing their own thing, which, as you know, it backfired at Indianapolis. But the most intriguing thing that I'm looking forward to, to seeing is, of course, those two rookies. You can sort of consider Pato still a rookie, even though he drove a couple races a year ago before all the whole thing with Carlin kind of went down and kind of led to a different route for him. It's fortunate that he's back in the IndyCar round so we can hope finally see more out of him. We've seen it already, but we can see more for him. But the question mark that I have is having two rookies that have, which also were the last two Indy Lights champions, no less, how will they mesh? We've seen it through social media, they can mesh well. But when it comes to competition, can they live up to par to prove that, hey, we're taking over. We're we're the future of of the old and also the new. And as far it's just unfortunate on a hinge part because they could use a very veteran, a wily veteran driver to help them out. And hopefully, if things work out, that over time that third car could bring some experience. But I think with those two guys, well, what they have, I think they'll do just fine. And, of course, they have key people on that staff that will guide them, that will pr- produce competitive cars. But once the season rolls, we'll see how much effort and dedication they've done because that is the big thing that I'm looking at. The seriousness, the dedication, and the hard work so they don't have to go through that drama anymore. All right, and going back to the Carpenter team, uh, one thing we didn't mention is that we've got Connor Daly in there. Um, running the road course, uh, Connor Daly's split in a season. He's, it's kind of funny. The first time Connor Connor Daly has a full season in a couple of years, and then most of the season is canceled. But he'll be splitting his time between Carpenter and Carlin 
Um, now, now, Richard, want to bring you to the conversation. How do you how, do you think that's a tremendous benefit uh, to a driver to uh, work with two organizations within the same year? Uh, to you know, just to be exposed to different uh, levels of engineering and, and and different folks. Um, I don't. I can't remember it ever happening before on a predetermined scale. I mean, I know guys have like gone from one team to another, um, you know, mid-season, but never jumped back and forth between the two. I, mm, yeah, I, I'd, I'd certainly be a little bit. Um, cautious i think if i was one of those teams like you know what do we tell him what do we say what do we you know what information do we pass on you know it's very difficult i i miss it it's not a formula one style race series where you know the secrets and and the like are quite you know are so much higher but there's a lot to be picked up from the operational standpoint and the procedural standpoint so it'd be interesting to see how that uh, dynamic works but, yeah, it is definitely something we don't see quite often where this, like say, it's predetermined, like you said. So, But uh, let, let's move up the, the grid a little bit. The next two teams I want to talk about are, and I'll start with you, Richard, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, and Meyer Shank Racing. So now, Richard, you're pretty friendly with our, our buddy Takuma Sato, and Joey, I know you're quite <laughs> friendly with him too. So um, Takuma's coming off a good couple of years with Ray Hall, and that team seems to be, uh, just moving right along. Do you feel like uh, they're ready to take the next step up? I, you, you think that with some of these, you know, the midfield teams, you know, you've you got to look at it and how are they going to get to the, you know, to be in a regular position where they beat or compete with the likes of Ganassi and Penske and Andretti on a regular basis. I Excuse me, I, it's a big ask, isn't it? You know, you've got to have a lot of a lot of investment and a lot of stuff going your your way to make that happen, and I just I just can't see it happening. As much as you'd love to see that, Lee, love to see it. I just I really don't think it. I just really don't see it happening, unfortunately. All right, now Joey, what are your thoughts? I mean, I personally I feel like Takuma has elevated that team a bit. But but it's kind of it's, it's almost at the expense of Graham. Graham's not won a race since uh, Takuma's joined the team, and I'm not <laughs> saying that Takuma's getting better equipment, but I think maybe Takuma's getting more out of his engineers. And do you feel like some of that will? Or he's a better driver. Uh, okay. Oh, <laughs> um... uh, you know what? That's that's certainly uh, certainly right there as well. But um, do you think that uh, Joey? Do you think that um, perhaps Takuma can elevate Graham a little bit? I mean, here's a guy who's. It wasn't that many years ago he won. A, was winning two races a season, pretty, uh, pretty consistently. Yeah. First off, uh, I mean, I think obviously you look at at Takuma. He's won like what two or three races uh, after being there two years now, and uh, you know that team is stretched from from the single car team that it was when Graham was was out there kicking ass, uh, pretty much being the the dark horse against the. The David fighting the Goliath, so to speak, uh, during the manufacturer era, era, and now that we're in the the universal era, era, they've they've kind of struggled. But um, I look at a couple of things that come to mind. Number one is last year, you look at Barber, uh, you look at Iowa, you look at Gateway. There were so many little incidences that took him out of the running for a for a podium or even potentially a win. I mean, you look at Barber. Ray Hall, Letterman, Landing, and both uh, both drivers were right there, running about the same uh, same lap times. They they were, I think, if I remember right, they qualified one two and were running one two until there was a uh, 
an issue on uh, with a, like a stuck throttle issue. I think if I remember right, what Graham said on uh, pit road uh, is why they held them on pit road an excessive time, amount of time and they just couldn't recover from that. And then Iowa, he's right there battling for a podium. And uh, I think dropped this valve and still finished like ninth or something. Um, and then he had cracked a cylinder um, or cracked, oh gosh, what did he cracked his exhaust is what it was at, um, at Gateway. So, and he was running in the top five there. So, and Takuma won that race. So he's been right there at times with Takuma when they're both there. I mean, we can't pretend that Takuma's fighting for top fives all the time. There's, this is very much a, a win. And then you're probably finishing eighth uh, situation. Um, but I look at, this is very long-winded, but uh, sorry. You look at a couple of years ago at, at Indy, uh, they both struggled. And Oriel Servia, if I remember right, was with them. And they, all three drivers were struggling uh, in qualifying. And talking to Graham, the engineering was, was great because the overlay of the cars was the same. Um, and that's so hard to do. For for and Richard could probably talk about that a little bit more. Is that the overlay of the cars, the the, the tech side, um, all of them were where they needed to be. They just happen to all be slow. Um, but there's consistency in the organization. There's consistency within the engineering group now. Graham's going to have the same engineer two years in a row. That hadn't happened since I think 2016. Um, Taku obviously has his engineering group. There's something about this team that, especially given the circumstances right now, they somehow, like every week it's a new livery, they somehow find a way to continue to, to apply sponsorship on the car and continue to build funding. If there's one team that I think can, I agree with Richard that you always look for this team to be that team. I would I would stress that beyond prior to Felix Rosenquist, you could have made the argument that as a team, as an organization, that Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan were actually better than Ganassi. The only thing representing Ganassi was Dixon. But as a team, those two are running uh, very comparable, whereas we've seen this, Dixon, and then there's everybody else uh, for those last for, – for a handful of years. So uh, I think they can yeah, – for the them. whole Tony Kanan era. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to say yeah, that. I mean, I well, uh, <laughs> I mean, when it was Scott and Dario, it was a little more even. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, just throwing that out there, yeah. And, and uh, I mean, Charlie Kimball even won a race back but, then, uh, back in 13. So, go ahead, Joey. Yeah. No, but, I mean, you know, Texas is the place that Graham did win last. And there is there is something to be said for the fact that there's if there's a wild card, I know it's, Chris loves that term, but if there's a wild card in this entire uh, season – it's those it's those two drivers because those are the two wildest drivers. They're savvy veterans, but they're not afraid to make the move. I mean, we remember Taku's move in turn one, three wide at Indy. We remember some of the moves that Graham did to win. So if it's if it's come down to the situation uh, where they're in the running, they're certainly fighting and scrapping, and that's what part of the reason why I think that a situation like this Saturday night could actually work in their favor because everybody just about, is going to err more on the side of caution. So if you unload and you feel comfortable, you're going to be confident on Saturday night, and you could certainly be a threat to win then. Yeah, and don't, the forget, yeah don't forget last year at Texas, um, Sato won the pole, and if it weren't for that, that mess in the pits there, he was kind of dominating the race, and then at the end of the day, Graham was on the podium. Yeah. So this, I mean, I mean I'm sure they're really looking forward to going to Texas. So Now, Christopher... Meyershank Racing. Speaking of wild cards, I, I you know, I, I have these guys a little higher on 
my list than some, and that's largely due to their association, their new technical alliance with um, with Andretti, because we saw how well that worked out for Colton Herta and the Steinbrenner organization last year. Uh, but Jack Harvey has really endeared himself to the fans. People love this guy. He's very active on social media. Um, he puts out funny little videos. Uh, he puts some, out some serious little videos. You know, he's got his whole little series of You Don't Know Jack, where he just kind of lets you into his life. This This guy is a star in the making, and now he's got a full season. Um, and he's pretty you know, he's had some pretty good runs so uh and of course we all know you know michael shank is very very intelligent and, and really knows what he's doing when it comes to running a race team so christopher uh talk us talk to us about uh, meyer shank racing measured opportunities so when you look at meyer shank racing um michael shank ran what was it the indy 500 in 2017 and then he ran, if I remember right, I think he also ran like the last two races of that year um, in conjunction with SPM, if I remember right. Uh, someone correct me on that if I'm no, not he right. No, was, he was, they were associated with SPM for a little while. All right. No, I, I remember that. But, I mean, I, I think that they started in 2017 in the last two races. I think they were there. Um, and then in 2018, they ran six races, including, I think, four of the first five or six um, and then 2019, they run 10 races, including, I think, the first six or seven races. Um, they've been really, really methodical in their approach to trying to get to a full season. They haven't overextended themselves, and really, it's paid dividends. Um, Michael Shank's team got a podium last year at the IndyCar Grand Prix. Um, they've gotten into the Fast Six a couple of times in road course qualifying. They've They've put together a solid program, and they don't have, you know, the big budgets like Ganassi and Penske have. They don't have um, a lot of the bigger um, facilities. I mean, they're primarily a sports car operation in IMSA with the the Acura um, NSX GT3 program. But what they do have, like similar to Ricardo Yugo's team, is they have good people. They work well with what they have. Um, I'm expecting good things from them. I'm expecting a, quite a few top tens, maybe even a top five from them because they they manage their resources well. Um, I mean, heck, like I said, they, they did really well at the Indy Grand Prix last year in changing conditions, so I expect great things from that team again this year. Yeah, I would I would I would go out on a limb and say I, if if we had the full season um, that that Jack Harvey would would be my pick to uh, win a race this year um, with the compressed season. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. It's a bit of a bit of a harder thing. But, um, yeah, and Joey, I see you say you expect multiple podiums, as I do. I think that's going to be a uh, really a team to watch this year. So, and Louise, you agree as well. So, we are, we got about eight minutes left in the show. And we need to talk about Andretti, Ganassi, and Penske. Are, are, are you know the sharp end of the grid there now andretti they're expanding this year they're adding colton herta full-time uh colton herta who won twice last year and uh, was brilliant at uh, a number of different occasions and has some hard luck at some others uh, now michael has done really well with multiple teams um but i mean if you go like all the way back to 2004 when he was running four cars and all four drivers won races he hasn't experienced that same several level of success across the board, particularly it seemed like that, that team began to struggle about the, the manufacturer arrow kit era. 
and they really haven't rebounded to, you know, they haven't won a championship since 2012. Uh, they have won several Indy 500s, um, and, and Rossi came close to a championship last year, uh, but at the end of the day, he was, he was um, you know, too far behind, but we've not seen uh, Marco anywhere near a victory lately. Uh, Zach Veach has struggled mightily. Um, Hunter Ray has had flashes of brilliance and flashes of mediocrity. So, um, Joey, um, let's talk about Andretti. Yeah, let's talk about him. Uh, so I, I think the obvious is, um, without trying to get too in-depth with with a few of these guys, is Alexander Rossi, championship contender, going to win races this year. Colton Herta, same thing. Uh, I expect a lot of big things. Uh, I don't expect a sophomore jinx from him, obviously, since I just picked him to win Texas. Uh, and then you get to Ryan hunter and Zach Veach, and Marco. Uh, I think that Veach had some very, like, just awful. You talk about a sophomore jinx. He had it last year. Uh, he said that he, he wasn't necessarily having fun with his driving. Uh, he's kind of refocused that. He's had a little bit of an extended offseason to kind of refocus that a little bit, too. Um so I actually think that he'll be better. I think we're going to see – I don't necessarily know if it'll be contending for wins on a consistent basis, obviously. That might be a stretch uh, just given the talent that, that's in this field. I think it's going to be tough to expect anybody to rattle off more than two or three wins, um, just period, no matter if it's Joseph Newgarden or, or Rossi or whomever. Um but I do think that he could probably get a couple of top fives, uh, maybe even podium. Um, so that's not unrealistic. I think that he could be relatively in the conversation for that. Ryan hunter Ray, man, if there's a guy that, that if he didn't have bad luck with mechanical issues or all these different off-the-wall things, the, the, the kicker is that he's still finishing pretty solidly. Uh, he's still fighting solidly for top five in the championship, and he's having issues. So – uh, I think that speaks volumes. Uh, if he can, if those things can be mitigated some, then then I think he's right in the thick of it, the Captain America that everybody uh, dubbed him back in 2014 to be. So um, you can, and then Marco, for some reason, uh, it's kind of weird, right? He's become better at road and streets lately than he has at ovals. I mean, Indy was one to forget last year, obviously, um, for whatever reason their stuff wasn't quite there. So I think that, uh, you know, it's IndyCar, right? And anything can, can happen at any given time. Who's to say that, that they don't hit on something one particular weekend and, and, you know, get something. I, I think it's not unrealistic to see Andretti get four wins, four, four wins with four different drivers this year, at least. That'd be fun to see for sure. Now we are kind of fighting the clock right here. So Christopher, Chip Ganassi Racing is expanding. We're adding uh, Marcus Erickson to the mix. Um, both uh, Dixon and uh, Rosenqvist had pretty good seasons last year. Um, and you've already gone out on a limb. You say Dixon's going to win the championship this year with uh, Mike uh, or with uh, Craig Hampson in his corner. Or no, Mike, or Hamp- Mike, Mike Cannon. Uh, Mike Cannon, Cannon rather. Cannon. I'm sorry. So uh, let's go real quick. Uh, two minutes on uh, Chip Ganassi. Well, they're going to have the best team name in the garage area because uh, Marcus Erickson's entry is technically known as Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I love it. I love it. Yes. I, it's it's tasty. It's succulent. I love it. Um, chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, what's not to love about that? So uh, Marcus Erickson, you know, he had a podium last year at Detroit. Uh, he's going to be racing with Felix Rosenquist as his teammate. 
Uh, it's the first time that they've had three cars can actually since they had the four car Armada a few years ago, uh, 2017, I think it was. Um, and Erickson, you know, he's going to have a great uh, rapport with Rosenquist, and I think that they're going to be doing really well this year. I expect Rosenquist to win multiple races. I don't expect him to win the championship, um, but I think he'll be top five in the championship. Erickson, I think he's going to get uh, two or three podiums. Um, Dixon, as I said, he's got Michael Cannon as his engineer. He's going to win the championship. There's just no way, no two ways around it. Yeah, I like, I like to see that because that uh, that would put him in a rare air. So, now Louise, uh, you get to talk about uh, Roger Penske racing, Team Penske. I mean, did you see them struggling, struggling yeah. this year, and you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. I, I think you're talking about the the late '90s Marlboro Team Penske when it comes to struggles. But yeah, that, yeah here, here's here's a team with the entire driver lineup intact from last year and coming off. Uh, uh, you know, Indy 500 win and, and, and championship. And so, I mean, what, and now. And the team now, owner owns the sport. He owns the and, sport, but he's yeah. taking a step off of the, uh, of, of the pit wall. He's going to leave all that in the hands of very capable hands of Tim Sendrick. Which will certainly add much higher expectation because they won, obviously impress and get Roger in our championship. But I definitely had confident that Sendrick will keep the ball rolling. It's, it's an Team Pesky is an interesting team when it comes to this season because I think all three could be in that championship fight. With Pagano, he's just been there. He's been finally got things rolling once the month of May went through his favor. It was the dreamest month of dreams you can have that Simon had. And I don't expect anything different from him, but I think if he could get the start of the season well together, if he gets off rolling – I think Simon could be the tough, tough guy to beat. For Will, it's just the much like with Ryan Hunter Ray, it's just luck needs to be on his side. He needs to put a little bit more consistency and just hope things put are well put together, well packaged. And for New Garden, it's going to be an interesting title defense. We've seen we've seen him come short in his first title defense in 2018. Now as the second title defense, I think he's much mature, much well put. But I personally believe. Pagano could be that guy that will represent Pesky as the top championship contender in 2020. All right, good stuff. So uh, we've got about a minute left. There are a couple of other smaller teams on the grid. Some of the Indy-only entries, Dryden Reinbold is going to have uh, Sage Karam at Indy. And then I uh, he had a couple of other races slated. One of them was Toronto, which was scratched. Um, I believe we might see Sage later in the season. Um, Robbie Buell's putting a team together. Um, uh, and uh, with Spencer Pickett, I believe, for a couple of rounds. Uh, so, but that being said, we are out of time. But let's uh, let's take a minute, go around the table, and and everybody predict your champion for the year, and then we'll just revisit this at the end of the season, which is going to be in October. Uh, hey, you know, we've been looking forward to that season that stretches into football season, and we're finally going to get that this year. But uh, now, Christopher, you've already picked Dixon. So, Richard, who do you like for the champion this year? Oh, boy. Um, eh, willpower. Willpower, okay. Now, Louise, are you sticking with Pagano, like you just said? Yeah, I'm sticking with Pagano. The Dark Horse will be Colton. Okay, now, Joey, who, who do you like for the championship? Rossi. And, and Joey, I'm going to agree with you, and I, I'm going to say Rossi brings it home this year and wins that championship Uh with a, with a staunch battle from the Penske guys, uh, but I think Rossi's time has come to finish on top, and 
our time has come to end the show. So, but I want to thank you guys. It's been uh, really enjoyable just talking about nothing but IndyCar, and it's been, like I said to all all my IndyCar fan friends, it's it's been an, an enormously enormously long wait um, since we raced last. So, really looking forward to the action in Texas on Saturday night. Uh, hopefully the the, the rain will hold off, and um, the weather will be great. Uh, hopefully the racing will be spectacular. And, and then from there, then we'll be on the Road America for, for not one, but two races uh, on one of the most beautiful and scenic racetracks in the world. Uh, but until then, I want to thank Joey, Richard, Louise, and Christopher. Guys, thank you so much. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Speaker, and Google Podcasts. And I want to thank all you folks who listen to us every week. Up till next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 